0: Morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? Good morning. So good to be with you guys this morning. i like to first and foremost echo Pastor West's words. We were extremely blessed and overwhelmed with the giving from you guys, and it's been a huge blessing to our family. So from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for your faithful giving. It's been a great year here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church. This is our last service of 2021, and it's been a wonderful year. We started in the book of First John, made our way through the rest of John's epistles, started the book of Habakkuk, completed the book of Habakkuk, and we're making our way through the book of Mark, and I pray that you guys have been blessed by everything that we've done here. We've started a new life group, and we've grown, and it's just been a blessing to see God bless this church and his faithfulness to us. But we are in the holiday season, and if you've been with us over the past week, you would know that we have spent the past week looking at the Christmas story, looking at the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we've done that by looking starting last week on Sunday, and then if you are with us on Friday, we looked at the actual birth of Jesus Christ. Today we're going to see how we respond to that. But the truth is, is that many of us have been celebrating Christmas, the Christmas season for the better part of a month now with all the decorations, with all the music and songs and gift-giving and shopping and food. We have been celebrating this for the better part of month. I'm not going to say it, but we might have started celebrating with music before Thanksgiving. won't tell you how soon before Thanksgiving we had Christmas music going. But we all enjoyed this time of year. We all enjoy the Christmas season. And even though it could be, and for many of us, it is the most stressful time of the year with all the preparations, with all the planning, with gathering with family who we love and those who we tolerate. It's all a great time. It's stressful, but we enjoy it. We enjoy watching kids open up the gifts, seeing smiles on our family's face, and it's just a great time of the year. And it's all paid off. But what now? After all the presents have been opened, after all the toys have been built, after we take down the decorations and we take down the tree, what now? How do we respond to this news that we have, that the Son of God is born, that we have a Savior? How do we respond to everything that we've looked at over the past week? How do we respond to the foretelling of the birth of Jesus Christ? How do we respond to his actual birth, to the, what it means for us and for the whole world? How do we respond to Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, coming into this world, taking on man's nature, living a sinless, perfect life, sacrificially giving his life for us, dying on the cross on our behalf, and then raising again, all so that we could have everlasting life. How do you respond to that? So I would like to look at how we are to respond to the good news that the Messiah came and was born for us to have everlasting eternal life. So we have the main idea today, a thesis statement. If there's anything I want you to leave with today is that the only response to the good news is to proclaim it to the world and to worship God. That is the only proper response. When we hear and believe the good news that the Messiah is born, we should go and proclaim it to the world. And in return, we should worship God through what he has done. We're going to look. We're going to be in verse, chapter 2, verses 15 through 20 here in Luke glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as had been told to them let's pray heavenly father we humble ourselves before your throne father oftentimes your ways we don't understand them we can't begin to grasp them father but your ways are greater than what even we believe or even what we can think of father we thank you for the gift that is your only begotten Son, Father. We thank you that because of that we're able to gather today. We're able to sing songs of praise. We're able to pray to you. We're able to gather with the saints in fellowship, Father, all because of what your Son has accomplished. So Lord, we ask that you bless this time that we have together as a church body, Lord. I pray that you use me today to bring your word forward, Father. Lord, help me to remember all that you put on my heart. Help me to remember all that I've studied, Father. May you be glorified today. May you be magnified, Father. Be with us. Eliminate any distractions we may have today, Father, as we spend the next several moments looking into your word. May it be edifying, may it be convicting to us, Father. Chisel away those errors that we are not willing to give to you, Father. Be with us today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be edifying to you and to your people. And as people said, amen. Point number one is simple. We are to proclaim the good news. That simply, that's what the shepherds did. They they proclaimed the good news. Looking at verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. They made known. They declared it. They they revealed it. They went out to the rest of the world, to the rest of Bethlehem, and proclaimed everything that the angels had told them. They believed it. They embraced it. And then they immediately, they go to make it known. They go to declare it. They spread the word. If you have the NIV, that's what it says there, that they spread the word. Or or in the King James versions, they made known abroad. They went and told everyone that the Messiah, that the Savior is here. What we see here is really the shepherds, as so many commentaries put it, they were the first evangelists. They were the first evangelists to to go out and share the good news that the Messiah is here, that the Savior is born to us, that there will be peace on earth. They were the first evangelists. And let's not lose the significance of, of Jesus, of God using the shepherds to bring the good news to first. This was an unlikely group, really, during this time of Jesus' birth. If you want your claim to carry weight, if you want people, if you want what you're declaring to be taken seriously, you're not going to go to shepherds. They were at the bottom of the social hierarchy. Most of the times, the shepherds were, they were viewed as uneducated. Their work was looked at not as that highly. Really, in the, in the post-New Testament era. They were not allowed to give testimony in court because they were viewed as unreliable. They were viewed as dishonest. They were on the outcast. They were on the outside of society. The shepherds were looked at poorly, even by the Pharisees, because they weren't able to keep the man-made Sabbath regulations that the Pharisees had put in place. Animals don't take time off. Animals don't really observe the Sabbath. And so they weren't able to observe the Sabbath because sheep required constant attention. And so what does that mean? It means that they were constantly in violation of, of the Sabbath regulations put in place. And by doing that, by being so, they were ceremonially unclean. No one wanted to associate themselves with them. They weren't trusted but this is who the angel comes to. This is who God chooses to be the first evangelist, who he chooses to go and spread the good news of the gospel. Shepherds, lowly shepherds who are at the bottom of the social ladder. That's who God uses. And it's not about what you know. It's not about how eloquent you may talk. It's the message that you're taking out. That's what's important. And so we have no excuse if God could use shepherds to spread his good news, then God can also use us. We have no excuse to keep it silent. God always, he uses the least likely. He doesn't work according to our, our finite understanding of how things should be. He likes to just flip things upside down. We see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26-28. through 28, so It says, for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were noble, birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring nothing things that are. So that human beings might be, might be without boast, and they have nothing to come before the presence of God. God is doing great things, and it's not about who is giving the message. It's not about the messenger, but it's about the message itself. It's not about who's receiving the message, but it's about what we're telling people. See, the same good news that saved you, the same good news that turned your world upside down, that impacted you, will be the same good news that will save other people. The love and mercy and grace that you experience on a daily basis will be the same love and mercy and grace that others will experience with coming to faith in Christ Jesus. The good news is for everyone, and we must proclaim it to everyone. They made known. The shepherds went everywhere and proclaimed the good news to everyone. They weren't selective. They weren't looking around, who should I tell? They just simply told everyone. And that is what we are called to do, to just simply proclaim the good news of the gospel to everyone. Oftentimes, we like to be selective of who we choose to share the good news with. Oftentimes, we look at someone and say, they are beyond saving. They, they, there's no way they're going to submit to God. And so we decide they're not worthy of saving we we put our own standard we put our own fencing around the gospel and decide they can't do it but it's all according to our preferences it's all according to our understanding sometimes we may i don't want to go talk to that person they're going to be annoying they're going to they're going to keep me there forever do you know what do they they're going out every weekend and just going out dancing and clubbing and sleeping around they don't deserve the gospel but we are not to decide who deserves the gospel or not. We are simply told to proclaim the good news. We have people here in our minds, as I say that, people in our minds who we think, you know, I really don't want to talk to them. That person that comes to mind, that's who needs the gospel. That person that comes to mind is like, I don't want to talk to them. They, they can't. They, they're heathens. That is exactly who we are called to share the good news with. This is important. We have to be willing to proclaim the good news. We have to be willing to open up our mouths and share the gospel with people. Romans ten seventeen says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. These shepherds, they, as RC Sproul said, they did evangelism by opening their mouths. You may build relationships, and that's great. You may wear a good t shirt that you think is going to be a conversation starter, but at some point, you must, you must open up your mouth and proclaim the good news of the gospel. These shepherds, they weren't subtle. They didn't leave clues. They didn't go around saying, you should go check out that manger there. See what God is doing. They went and proclaimed the good news to everyone, to everyone who they could come across. They made it known and told everyone concerning this child. All that they heard, all that they saw, that they embraced and believed, they told everyone. They use their words, simply put, that's what we need to do as well. We can't just simply wish someone to come to faith. We have to be willing to share the good news with them. That is our purpose. That is why we were chosen according to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, A people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That is the reason that we are saved, to proclaim the excellencies of the God of the universe. If we're not doing that, we're missing out on what we are called to do. We're called to make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28 to 19. In order to do these things, in order to proclaim the excellencies of God, in order to disciple people, we must first be willing to open up our mouths and proclaim the good news of the gospel. If we're not willing to do that, we're missing out on what we're called to do as believers. To proclaim the good news. Point number two. We are to worship God. Simple. We are to worship God. After it's all said and done, after they've heard the angels appear to them, they went and confirmed it, they embraced it, they believed everything that was told to them, they proclaimed it, and then they said, it says in verse 20, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. They returned home, they went back to their lives, and they were singing. They were praising God, they were glorifying God, they were amazed at everything that had been told to them, everything that they had seen, and they worshipped God. They were glorifying, they were singing praise. They went home, back to their way of life. They were still shepherds, but they were changed forever. They had a different outlook on life now. They had a different attitude. They were to now glorify and praise God for all that he had done. This becomes a way of life for the shepherds. You see, by by glorifying and praising God, they were acknowledging God's greatness In giving him honor, the honor that is rightfully his, by praising and worshiping him. This is what they did immediately. They went home and this is what they did. That's their response to the good news, is to worship and praise God. And that is what we are called to do. This should be our response to hearing the good news, to embracing it and believing it, is to worship God and to glorify him, and to give him praise. If you were to look at all these different catechisms, the Westminster, the Heidelberg, the the Keech's Catechism, at some point in them, they have this question, what is the chief end of man? And they all answer it the same way. Man's chief end is to glorify God, and to enjoy him forever. That is what we're called to do, as people who've, Embrace the gospel who've put their faith in the atoning work of Jesus Christ, we are to live a lifestyle that is of worship to God that we are to glorify him and give him praise at all times, whether life is good or not, we are to glorify and praise God. this is what we're called to do in, in revelation chapter twenty two verse eight John writes, I am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, but with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Here John falls down at the feet of the angel and the angel corrects him like, no, you're not worshiping me. He says, worship God god this is the very last chapter of the bible and we're given one more command it's simple worship god that is what the angel says that is the last command that we see here in revelation It's to simple to worship god that means that our life should be marked by the praise and worship of the god of the universe this is to be our default position If we understand the truth and we know that nothing changes, that the truth never changes, that no matter what happens, no matter how great life is going, no matter how difficult life may be, no matter the obstacles thrown your way or the obstacles lifted, it doesn't matter. We are to glorify and praise God. We are to worship him in all avenues of our life, whether life is good or not. That's difficult sometimes for us when life is hard to really worship God in the midst of the valley, but that's what we're called to do, to worship God. So the question is, is this true of you? If this isn't true, then we have to run a diagnostics on our lives because that is to be our default position. We are to worship God no matter what. And if if we're not doing that, the question is, where is your heart? John Piper writes, when the heart is far from God, worship is vain, empty, non-existent. If you're lacking in this area of worshiping God, the question is, how close are you to him? Are you treasuring all the things of the God above, the universe? The God who created, the God who sent his son to die on the cross, are you treasuring those things? Are you holding on to them? Do you understand? Do you grasp? Do you have a knowledge of the God of the universe? Are you willing to sacrifice and give worship to God? We see Paul in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We are to give God praise. We are to sacrifice everything for him. And if we don't have a proper understanding of who God is, then that's not possible. Having a proper understanding of who God is leads to the worship of God. That is what we're called to do. R.C. Sproul writes, The destiny of the Christian is to give glory and honor, dominion and power and praise. We are to join the angels in singing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom, and might and honor and glory and blessings. That's Christmas. That is what we are called to do, to respond to God, to worship him no matter what is going on in our life. That is the calling for us. How do we respond to the good news that is the gospel of Jesus Christ? We are to proclaim it and we are to worship God. Now, In closing, I would like to just address the people in here or who's watching who probably haven't heard the gospel or or haven't embraced, haven't put their faith in trust. You may be thinking, what is this good news? Why is it good? If you're telling me there's good news, what is it? The good news is that we are granted salvation to those who put their faith and trust in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. That's the good news, that we can Be at peace with the God of the universe because right now we're not. The good news is good because there is bad news that everyone who's sitting in this room, everyone who has ever, every human who has ever walked the face of this earth is a sinner. And each and every one of us, we are deserving of spending the rest of eternity separated from God. That's the reality of the situation, that we've all fallen short of the standard of God that we see in the law. And that standard, it's so strict, it's so stringent that no human can ever uphold it perfectly. It's just not possible. So despite your perceived goodness, despite how you may feel about yourself, comparing yourself to others, despite how bad the the worst person you know is, the truth is that we have all sinned, and the punishment for that sin is death, is eternal separation from God. And there's nothing that you can do to work yourself out of. There's no checklist of saying, I go to church, I read my Bible, I, I gave, I helped. I helped this person. I did this. There's nothing that you can do to earn your way out of that punishment, and that's the bad news. But the good news is that the God of the universe, the God who is sovereign over everything, loves us, as it says in John three sixteen through seventeen. That the God for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That's the good news. That Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, humbled himself by coming to earth and doing what we could not, by doing what you could not do, following all of God's commands perfectly, never sinning never lying never never looking at anyone in the wrong way living that perfect life and by doing that he becomes the innocent life that must be shed for the forgiveness of sins as we see in hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 so jesus becomes that innocent life by giving his body to be broken to be beaten to be torn, to hang on that cross and die on our behalf. He becomes the perfect sacrifice. And it doesn't end there. He, as it says all throughout the gospel, he raised again on that third day. And by raising again, now we have the forgiveness of sins and we're able to spend the rest of eternity with the God of the universe. That's the good news. That if you put your faith, if you put your trust and you repent and turn to God and put your faith in the atoning work of Jesus Christ, you will be at peace with God. And that is available to all. That is what we would like to call the great exchange. That, that while he's on that cross, our sins are put on his shoulders and in return his righteousness is put on ours. And that is the only reason we can stand before a perfect and holy and righteous God is because of what Christ has done. And so if you haven't today, if you haven't yet put your trust in the atoning work of Christ, please talk to us. Please reach out to Pastor West or myself. We have our emails, our numbers are all on the webpage. We would love to go out and talk to you on what that means, what that looks like for the non-believer, to put their trust in the atoning work of jesus christ now to the believer to my church family the question is simple how are you currently responding to the good news what is the gospel doing in your life are you sharing your faith are you proclaiming the good news are you praising god are you glorifying god for the gift of salvation That is the calling. Make no mistake, church. That is the calling of the Christian to worship God and proclaim his excellencies. And if you're struggling with this, if it's hard for you to share your faith, if it's hard for you to really, despite all that's going on in life, to praise and worship God, then first and foremost, I say pray. Seek God, draw closer to him. We must learn to, we must know who God is. That is the core of our worship. It's knowing God for who he truly is. We cannot know God if our Bibles are collecting dust. We cannot know God if we're not spending time in prayer. You see, knowing God goes hand in hand with worshiping God. We see this in John 4, 23. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. We are to worship the Father in spirit and truth. The worship of God goes hand in hand with knowing God. You can't worship God if you don't have a right understanding of who God is. God is. So let that be your goal this year, to grow in the knowledge and understanding of God. If you do that, if you grow in your understanding, if you open up your words, if if you choose to study a certain topic, it will lead to a life of worship. We must know God. We must put in the work. We We will continue to struggle with all of this if a heart is not in the right place if we are not a people who are constantly repenting, who are constantly preaching the gospel to ourselves, we will not proclaim the good news. We will not glorify and praise God. But that's what we're called to do. We must be a people who proclaim the good news and who glorify and praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you the gift of everlasting life that is found in, in the atoning work of your son. May he came into this world, took on flesh, experienced everything that we experienced, was tempted in every way that we are tempted, but never succumbed to those temptations. And in, in him being willing to give himself for your children, Father. We thank you for that, Lord. May that be known to us. May we hold on to that. May we cling to the good news that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. May that lead us to worship you more fully. May that lead us to look and to proclaim the good news to everyone, Father, because we can't keep it in, but we must bring it to everyone, Father. So help us. Help us to be boldened by your word. Give us the strength. Give us the wisdom. Give us the courage to share the good news of the gospel, Father. We thank you for your love and mercy and grace over our lives, Father. Keep us well today, Father, as we go about the rest of this day. May we spend time with family and friends eternalizing the truth that is the good news of the gospel, Father. May it impact us, may it lead us to worship. We pray all this in your son's mighty and powerful name. And as people said,